What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. Hey, listen to the 80s Babies podcast. And we're back again after another long wait. <laughs> this time we're doing a 20-year tribute for the one of the premier raucous records, if you for will. For sure, man. Uh, one of the, the originators for our generation, uh, Sound Bombing 2. Released May 18th, 1999. Yep. Yeah, I think this is right around the time I was in full swing with my with my writing. Okay. This, you know, when Rockets came out, yep. uh, you know, they had the the most stuff into Live Quali, We Are Black Star. That right. was one of the big ones. Yep. Um, but this record comes out, and this was this is definitively it's like yo, this is the MC I'm gonna be. Like this yeah. is this is my camp. This is my lane. Yeah. They talking about at the time what I thought was some real shit. Yeah. They had those real beats. I'm like yo, like most stuff was just was everything for me. 100 so, yeah. percent agree with you. I feel like you know when you talk about kind of tribalism you know no limit came out and they had the tank and mm-hmm. you know it was cool to listen to but i didn't i didn't like feel it like i wasn't i, I wasn't that that I just, wasn't my I didn't identity get that stuff. right like i didn't get that stuff i didn't out, get the like, bling bling the, i didn't get yeah, any of that those things weren't my identity so no. like i feel like when this album came out like you said like this was where ruckus became yes. its own kind of crew and it was like, oh, I, this is the type of person I am. Like, I'm a, you know, b-boy, rapper, graffiti, but like it was, it was what we we called real hip hop back then. You so, know? well, let's just get into it. Where were <laughs> yeah. you? Again, you know, had just moved to Virginia from, right, from right, Southern right. California. Um, so I was at Oakton High School. This joint came out. Eminem was was taking over everything. Slim Shady. Uh, and so we had M here, yeah. but M like returning to his roots, yes, kind of yes, Eminem. Yes. So it wasn't the gimmicky slide. It, it was in its own way, but but it was like it worked, real hip hop beat. Yeah. You know him talking about MCs and and. Uh, Man, I was I was at Oakton High and I loved this. When one nine 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 came out as a single, <laughs> I mean, we would listen Classic. to that going to the basketball court every day. Like that was the song, the no, anthem of the time. I, I totally feel you. Where, where I was, yeah. in nineteen ninety nine. This is the spring of my sophomore year, at Lake Braddock, Northern Virginia. You know, I've pretty much been in the same place, but you know, I'm still hardcore Wu Tang. Okay, right. But Wu-Tang's not really coming out with new right. stuff like that. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, a few things we got excited about. We were talking about Pete Rock yep. last fall. Yep. So, you know, you got Inspector Deck on that. And every once in a while, you got a dope verse here and there. Yep. But, like, the real hip-hop... This is at the time when they're talking about, like, hip-hop is dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm writing graffiti, drawing graffiti. I got my little characters. You know, I got my three or four little tag names and whatnot. I'm trying to break <laughs> dance. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to right, do all these right, things. Right. And all of a sudden, these real hip hop heads like they don't hit the mainstream in terms of like look they're not on MTV they're not making the the Carson Daly whatever MTV <laughs> yeah, jam of the week like they're not doing that but their their music videos are prominent enough that if I'm rocking this other people are like oh okay yeah, yeah. I, I know what that is like yeah. it was it was enough that enough of us could gather around and, and listen to this and vibe with it and connect yeah, with it. And yeah. then when we try to put our own lyrics down, like we're all on the same page. Uh-huh. And this was probably, you know, like I said, we had the, the most stuff into Lib Kweli. And obviously I, I would say that that's a better album than this one. Right. And that's not to shade this one, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. I didn't really know what that was yet when yeah, that dropped and yeah. then when this dropped it was like oh okay agree this is where i'm supposed to in be in that lane right mm-hmm. yeah when it dropped and you know again we we're talking about the whole cruise thing i feel yeah. like you know back in the day of course i'm i'm a, I'm a rapper i'm a become a rapper so we would always say you know what 
what label would you want to be on, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was and Ruckus. Time, right? And it, it was, was but, but prior to Ruckus, the only loud. one was loud. loud. The only yeah, one loud. that I felt like, you know, I, I loved, you know, what they were doing at Rockefeller or mm-hmm. I loved some of the other things, but it wasn't my identity. Loud was my choice. Yeah. But again, loud didn't feel like a crew. No. Like, you know, like, like Mob Deep wasn't hanging out with Pete Rock. You know, it, it was, was just, not, they just all not. happened to be dope MCs that were on the same label. Ruckus was like, yes. they appeared in each other's stuff. It was like a whole aesthetic and a whole vibe. And I, I just, you know, I can't like underscore enough how big the moment was when this like really congealed for Sound Bombing too. The, the dopest thing about it is that even though they all sound like they kind of vibe together, they all had a very unique sound yeah. within that as well. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the albums when I, I hearken back to acts that came after this. Mm-hmm that I have not always spoken positively about. And the reason why is because I'm like, look, you know, you, you, I'm not going to say any names, but it's like, <laughs> oh, you got your little projects in 2004 and 2009, and, and that's cute. But like, to me, like, I still go back to the Rockers of the 90s. Right, like, right. y'all not really doing much better than what they were doing here. Right, like, you right. haven't pushed the envelope that much further forward. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I just, I can't say enough about, about what they were doing here. And, yeah. um, yeah, it was, it was really, yeah. really dope. So critical reception. Well, I mean, amongst me and my peers, I mean, this shit was dope. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah. You know, there, there wasn't I, yeah. a rating on it. It wasn't a five mic. It yeah. wasn't a 10 out of 10. It was just, it was dope. It was yeah. fire. And that's all you needed to know. I agree with you there. Like, I think this is one of those projects where, like, the fact that I can't really speak on the critical reception mm-hmm. gave it that much more authenticity to us. Cares? Like we didn't care. We didn't give a shit. Yeah, we were like, it was like yeah. for us, this yes. was it, and it exactly. didn't matter. Exactly. Like we didn't care if it had five mics or whatever. No. Like this was just perfect. So um, it, that's it would actually be kind of good to. Oh, see, we're looking on the Wikipedia. The only thing we have in here is a rating from All Music, which gave it a four stars out of five, okay. and RatReviews.com gave it a nine out of ten. Now that's just yeah. on the wiki. It did chart in the Billboard 200 for the top R&B hip hop albums. Yeah. Peaked at number six. That was so, also dope. Like the fact that the one nine 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 video would yeah. come on like on a rap city or something yeah. like that. Like I well, feel like that nowadays, wasn't the only one. The other yeah. one that used to come on was the the B Boys Rock the Document. Oh, yeah. That was the first single what? if I if I remember. Yo, that yes. was another crazy one because again, like we're still talking about a time where like the four elements of hip hop mm-hmm. are like a thing. And you know, going to Oakton High, like like I said on on the the Eminem podcast, like it's a very diverse high school. Yeah. Um. So you had like kind of like the Asians, like they did their own thing. They just kind of <laughs> bro- they break they had the breakdance crews, yes, and yes. that was their thing. And we were over here, we we played basketball and listened to rap music. But like when B Boy Document came out, yes. yo, we were rocking together, yo. Cass was Cass was breakdancing in the hallway. B Boy Document would come on, and it was like. You know, most deaf, respected, got bars, the beats uh, sure. crazy, and then, you know, Mad Skills, same deal. Yeah. And then, you know, Cats are also breaking. Uh, it's definitely like a perfect B-Boy record. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Let's just go through it in terms of, like, experiences then and now, because we were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, usually when we do these, we, we're revisiting these times, these music, often, like, for the yeah. first time in a while. Sometimes with certain albums, like, I go back and I revisit it every so often, like Pete right. Rock, Soul Survivor, right. you know, Midnight Marauders. But this is actually one that I had not revisited yep. in a while. Yep. 
and I loved it back then. And I listened to it like three times in a row. Yeah. Recently, and I was just like, wow, I like this even more than it's I like so it good. then. Like, like yes. I was listening to it on the way over here, and I was just like, man, like, like you said, it just it aged so well. It did. And it really did. There's records on here that. I didn't necessarily appreciate even back then. I mean, you know, 27 tracks, including including skits. You know, yeah. there were some skips for me at the time. Okay. But there's some records that, like, I skipped back then, and now I'm listening to it, and I'm like, wow, I didn't appreciate this. Well, let's just talk about it. Let's go yeah. for go, go for one, if, it, if you um, can recall. So just, like, on the way over here, listening to Chaos, right? Mm -hmm. um, the production on there is just so stellar. Yeah. And the way, the way Talib and Bahamadia yeah. kind of ride the beat in a melodic way i don't think i really appreciated it back then because mm -hmm. back then the thing that kind of is has completely permeated hip-hop right well now all, all that matters is your melodies and not your lyrical content absolutely yeah. back then it was like i, I want to hear bars like why yeah. why is this person just like you know playing with melody i want to hear bars so for me it just didn't really do it for me. I gotcha. But now I'm listening to it and I'm like, yo, it's really dope how, you know, even before everybody was on this melody vibe, they really kind of killed it with the melodies. Nah, so, for sure. What about you? Um, I think the, the big one for me actually would probably be the World War Three with Farrah Mach and uh, oh, yeah. Shabazz Sadiq. I mean, yeah. I listened to that back in the day, but I joined slams. It, it, like I listen to it now and I'm just like, my God. Like, man. Yeah. And it's like they're trading verses too. So yeah. it's just like lyrical onslaught, beat is crazy. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, I wanted to touch back on something uh, you were talking about with Eminem. Mm. And Eminem pretty much opens up the album. I mean, you have a little intro cut, and I like that. Right. They're giving their little shout outs and the cutting, you know. Right. And then it goes into this, this Eminem thing. But one mm. of the things I like about it is that when we talk about skits, right? Like, I like the way that they, they have a track that it's like, it's a skit, but you can listen to it as well because basically it's just like an intro and they do this yeah. all throughout. It's just and beat some of, them, some of them are really, 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 really good. But yeah. you know, we, we start off with this Eminem and I think one of the things I like about it is that it reminded me why I have always liked Eminem. Because, you know, if you listen to our most recent episode, we you would trashed. Think we, right, you would think we don't like him. Exactly. And, you know, this is actually a really smart marketing decision from Eminem because because yeah. on this anime Animan track like he is doing a lot of like the caricature Eminem right, stuff right, that right. I wouldn't necessarily like but it's not all that over the top and it's not obnoxious right. either it's just a dope beat dope bars yeah. and it's just like he's appealing to all the actual hardcore right, MCs right, out there right. so all these other you know lacrosse kids who don't really give a fuck <laughs> about rap but just want to see a white man uh, dominate the game yeah. like they don't really understand that the bars here you know they they listen to something and they laugh and they're clever and like oh it rhymes like he's so great but we're actually listening to this and we're like nah yeah. that dude could spit respect yeah. totally i would say i i almost align this with like you know the video of like you know vince carter or kobe bryant going back to the rucker 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 mm, park and, right. and like and just you know killing just mm -hmm. just you know they don't have to do that right yeah. like they're they're at, an, at another level but they're just they're so ill that they're coming back and they're being like i could play in this different you know territory and kill it on the underground the same way i can do it on another level so yeah. like and m did that more than once like yes. he did that with the swan tech he yes. talked about the swan tech yes. joint um you know this so at this point in time he's getting super big he's getting a lot of mainstream appeal but at the same time every once in a while he's going back mm -hmm. and he's doing these underground projects yes. to show you that he's got this skill and i yeah. really respected that about him yeah absolutely and i because i remember at the time 
when this came out, like I looked at the I looked at the cover and I'm like, that looks like Eminem. Like, what the fuck is Eminem doing on this? Right, right. Because I didn't know about like Eminem with like real bars like that. Like I, I knew okay. the Slim Shady LP and I knew I was like, oh, he could definitely rhyme. Right. But I didn't know like the actual like hardcore hip hop right. Eminem. So I listened to this and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I like this guy. Yeah, he's getting busy for sure. Um, so yeah, yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about, which it, you kind of started. Uh, talking about it was just where they would kind of take these these in between skits mm-hmm. where they would let a DJ just kind of go off. Yeah, and it was a different first. DJ each and, time. Yeah, yes. and I thought that that was really dope. Um, I was reading an article actually about Soundbombing One. Okay, which, which is interesting I, because I think I've only listened to that once. Yeah, I didn't hear it until after two. Exactly. So I, I feel like me, two like really kind of congealed this raucous crew, mm-hmm. and then a lot of us kind of went back and did our homework. Yeah, you know. Um, but but with one, you know, it was Evil D who put the whole thing together yeah he was talking about how you know essentially ruckus was these was a a rock label you know owned by these two white kids one of them is rupert murdoch's son okay yeah so rupert murdoch's son owned owned ruckus and he was just a kid who liked music and he liked all kinds of music but he liked rock and roll music so they put out like a few different rock things nothing really popped off Mm -hmm. and so he just decided you know he was kind of young kid getting into hip-hop like oh yeah I, i like this i like these few acts you know um what can we do so he basically commissions Evil D and he says, you know, can I, I think I want to put out like a mixtape on our Rockets label. Evil D's like, cool. So basically, Evil D's like, all right, you got unlimited money. What I need you to do is essentially rent out D&D studios, just unlimited, and uh-huh. I can bring as many artists as I want in and out. Okay. So like for whatever period of time, like they just take D&D studios and it's just essentially owned by evil d and evil d's just bringing in all these acts just whoever wants to rap come in and rap he said uh ra the rugged man came early he's got a bunch track of on other people well. yeah he's got a track on here as well um so you know everybody raps he kind of he takes everybody's things puts them together pieces them together mixes them and he makes it a mixtape so you know they, they ask him like what do you want we want to you know we want to sign you we want to put this on so he's like i told you i was going to give you this for free but let me just give you the mixtape for 500 bucks. So Evil D offers it to him for 500 bucks. And um, so they, they quote unquote, do the deal. And then they just start to realize that like, there's super demand for this. Of course. So essentially they end up saying, okay, we're going to give you $40,000 and that's going to be like the budget. We're going to do like marketing and anything else we need to do to make this a release. And they do, and it's, it's pretty successful. And they come back around to, to do the second round, which mm-hmm. is, is this one. So Evil D walks away from the project. Okay. And that's the reason why there's all these other DJs, yeah. you know, on there is because they end up deciding to do the project without him. But um he he tells this whole story about why Ruckus didn't succeed and why it ended up folding. And he was saying that, you know, when they came around to do the second round, they wanted to give him a Ruckus chain. And, you know, and he was like like why why are you gonna and they're like yeah you know like like rockefeller has a chain you know death row has a chain like we want to give you like this gold and platinum ruckus chain and you know he's just like that's not why this works like this Uh, you know so 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 they basically try to offer him a chain he says if you give me the chain i'm gonna i'm gonna pawn it and i'm gonna use it to buy records (laughs) (laughs) and so i don't remember in the story if they ended up giving him the chain or not but he he ends up taking whatever the money is and literally going to the record store and spending forty thousand dollars or whatever (laughs) on like more records to make more beats uh but you know he passes on working on this project 
they get J-Rock and all these other mm, folks. And, and that's how and this, right. And that's how this project comes to be. It's anchored by the Beat Junkies. Yeah. And I really like how they allow the Beat Junkies to kind of shine by giving them these kind of skits in between with all this mixing because it just yeah. makes it feel that much more authentic, you know? Yeah, yeah. but it, some of the stuff is mixed by different artists. Like, so for example, my favorite skit intro on here mm. is the one for patriotism now that's mm. uh that's company flow right and the first time i heard company flow was actually before this i mm. i forget the end-to-end burners <laughs> okay. i think was the name of the track yeah. and there was a it was a video on bet and this was back when i was like really you know drawing a lot and uh basically the whole video is just them in the, the subway new york okay. subway or whatever subway it is okay. and this guy does this thing where like he puts his finger on the wall and then all of a sudden, like, it sparks this, like, graffiti-ish arrow that just goes all throughout. Hmm. And, like, and it's constantly doing all these, like, different little yeah, tags yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, and I remember just thinking that that was so cool. The beat was tight. Right. The flow was interesting, but it was, it was cool. And so That's they're on here as well. Yeah. But um, this patriotism intro, uh, I remember even recently in the car, uh-huh. I just had it on repeat for, like... <laughs> for a while like it's just yeah, one of the yeah. ones where like the scratching and the woman's moans uh-huh. and like just the beat and everything is just like oh like it's just it's great yeah, yeah, so that yeah. was just yeah that's just a, one of the little highlights for me should we, should we go on some more highlights a, yeah more, go for it i mean yeah i actually funny enough at the time when this came out there were two songs i hated okay patriotism okay uh just because lp's flow i just he, could not follow his it. actual so um, i like the intro what he's saying is really good it is it is it is yeah, i like the intro more than i like the song itself and that's right. still true now but yes i would agree that lp tends to go on and on and on and on and it's just like it's a lot it's definitely a lot but i mean you know it's especially understanding being older now being more mature and under actually really understanding the things that he's talking about it's not that it was too difficult to understand before but now i'm like i actually understand yeah yeah, uh so i could definitely i could definitely get down with it now and the other was um was brooklyn hard rock um really uh, you like that back then Back then, I absolutely hated it. Okay, um, what about now? Now, it's, it's a little bit better. I probably okay. still don't really rock with it. I think when I was a kid, I just remember me and Ken, Kenny, because, you know, at the time I had moved, but, you know, shout that's out my to best Ken friend, Dog. so shout out to Ken Dog. Whenever I go back in the summer or whatever, we would always make fun of this song. We'd always be like, your style is mad, mad tight, your style is mad tight. tight. I, so, I, I like the track in that, um, you know, like I said, everybody on here is different, completely yeah. different. My, and okay. Thurston Howell on here, I think that's his name, right? Mm-hmm. Thurston Howell III. Thurston Howell III mm-hmm. on here is definitely a... a doesn't sound like anybody else on the album which is cool but also like that hook I really fuck with that you like hook. it? yo Brooklyn oh, Mad Rock it's Dallas Mad Tight I love oh, that I did shit. not like it but uh, I think the thing about Thurston Howell is over time I've I've learned a little bit more about New York history and the Low Lives crew mm-hmm. you know in New York and Thurston Howell third, you know being somebody who's who's legit from that crew like he has he has some some street cred that I, I respected a little bit more, but I just feel like I remember hearing it and just being like, this guy, like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Oh, strong arm with lyrics. Watch <laughs> how I prove myself. So, and like the the like ad libs well. like, right? <laughs> are like like louder than the like the vo- yeah. main vocal. Yeah. I'm just like, who mixed this? Like, this is terrible. But uh, I feel you. But yeah, I mean, those are actually the my only like low lights? real criticisms okay. for, for real about the project. Um, so I mean, if you want to go back to highlights. 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I have any uh, any low lights. I will say that um, after Next Universe, mm-hmm. I tend to kind of tone out a little bit. And even yeah. though every rhyme I write rhyme is on there, that it, goes hard. Um, yeah. I still kind of like tune out of On Mission mm-hmm. yeah. and outro a little bit. Um, Yo, you want to talk yeah. about R.A. the Rugged Man? Well, go ahead. I think that beat is super hard, mm-hmm. but... Ari the Rugged Man has never impressed me as an MC. My my thought has always been, since Ari the Rugged Man can beat up most people in hip hop, (laughs) they just rocked with him because he just seemed like a solid dude. But I had only know Ari the Rugged Man from this track and one others. And the only other track I know him from is some song that Biggie did. And it was because this was at a time, this was actually the year after this, so my junior year in high school, mm-hmm. is when I really discovered just how good Biggie was. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, mm-hmm. like, holy shit. And I was going back and, you know, Napster is starting to come out. So I'm trying to download like every little Biggie snippet I can. Yeah. And um, he was on some track. I forget the name of it. I just remember, you know, Raw R.A., the Rugged Man. Yeah. Uh, that's the only other. And I remember not really feeling him that much on that. He has like a really dope voice. Like I like yeah. his voice, but he just never says anything hot at all. And and this is no different um, yeah. to me. So, that's you know, fine. he's a low light for me as well. But, but then after that, like, you know, it, the funny thing is, is it like it is even difficult for me to call these low lights because mm-hmm. they don't ruin the album. Right, right. Oh, they don't they perfect. don't drag the album. They don't you know, yeah, maybe yeah, I yeah. skipped them back then. But that's only because like there was other songs I really wanted right, to listen to. Right, right. You know, but like yeah, even yeah. now, like uh, the most recent time that I've been playing it, like I haven't felt the need to skip anything. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. this is cool. Like, I can And, you know, it. this is also an era where we still have tapes and CDs. Yes. And I have yeah. a CD. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I, I can have skip a CD. this. <laughs> I can skip <laughs> I don't have to listen yeah. to Harley the Rugged Man. Yeah. Uh, but man, highlights, there's so many highlights. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll just start at the top. You know, like you said, I really like how it comes in. First of all, I like Any the man. whole, the shout outs, even before yeah. Any Man. I like, like, just, you know, Sound people, bombing. names that Part we two know. Of volume yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Part two. <laughs> names that we know, giving shout outs. That's yeah. like how mixtapes like started yes. back in the day. So it gave, yeah. even though this is a CD coming out on a major label, technically, it gave it some of that like, you know, underground kind of feel to it. And then launches straight into any man, and yeah. you're like, "Wow, this is a this is about business." Yeah. It's a guy who we know, yes. everybody knows, yeah, right super famous, yeah. but he's coming with bars like, and it just sets the tone. Yeah, you know? absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, loved any man, and then B boy document, mm, like you said, I for, I forgot that it was a single. Even. Yeah, oh um, yeah, but yeah, that was the first time I heard about uh, Mad Skills. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, I think the first time I heard about Mad Skills was actually. Um, Timbaland, Tim's bio, Timbaland's okay. second album. All right. Uh, oh yeah. He, he murdered like two tracks on there. I never, I didn't listen to those albums. So like those, those, uh, the Timbaland album that was in uh, Timbaland and Magoo, right? It was the second one. Uh, Tim's bio. It was the one. Yeah. So Either long. way, my brother got those, mm-hmm. and like whenever we listened to, it, we just listened to like the hot songs uh, that he like liked. Here we go. So really, yeah, 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 that was the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was was up just a boogie yeah. on there too? No, that was the first one. The up second one, the uh, is, we're is gonna so good. we're gonna party tonight or whatever song that I was we just singing. Party tonight. Yeah, that was the single on that that Friday. Uh, yeah, Bugu is on that track though. Um, he is. What a waste of a voice yeah. and flow. Uh, agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> agree, but uh, anyway, so B Boy Document is definitely a highlight. 
And then I really liked Real World 3, actually, mm-hmm. yeah. um, even at the time. Yeah, no, I got you. I really liked 7XL. How could you not? Um, yeah, I, I feel like nobody talked about that. I was uh, the only one who talked about that. We, I definitely, I mean, look, you yeah. got Sadat X and Grand Pooba on there. Yeah. And that beat is just. It, it's so easy to just ride to. It's crazy. Uh, the 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 hook yeah. goes along with a seven XL. God live well. well like like it yes. oh, it's it fire. Um, sound bombing. Yeah. This song was like my joint back then. Like I like every. I, this is back when we still used to make mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And this was the song off this album. Maybe this and like one nine nine nine. Well, like I put them on like every mixtape. Like I loved sound bombing. And another funny story, so I don't know if you saw, but I um, I went to see uh, the Liquid Crew, uh, the Alcoholics, right. in concert in Chicago a few weeks back. Oh, really? And, um, yeah. Oh, good for you. It That's was dope. dope. I, I got to meet uh, Tash, who's like one of my favorite MCs That's from awesome. the West Coast. Yeah. That's awesome. He was I, real cool. I, I, I know, the con- given the conversations that we've had, I know you have a very high opinion of Tash. Yeah, so that, oh, that was yeah. Really cool. He got to chop it up. He was mad cool. Um, but at one point in time, he started asking, kind of the crowd like what like what songs y'all want to hear and he actually takes this he takes this white boy up on stage and he's like he's like yeah Scott's like yo I'm your biggest fan yeah blah blah he's like yeah you know what do you want to hear type deal and the dude this dude he gives the microphone to the dude and the dude goes I've been listening to your verse on sound bombing at the gym every day for the last 10 years. He's like, can you play it or can you do it? And I see Tash and it's funny because it's kind of like if you're not an MC, you wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. But essentially Tash is trying to run through the lyrics in his head and he, and he realizes he doesn't know the words. Oh, dang. So he doesn't do it. But uh, but I just say that to say like, I feel like that record was really dope and a lot of people really like that joint. They all murdered it. Even Evidence who... Some of my homies back home have have funny things to say, but yeah. evidence evidence actually has the longest sustaining career of all of these cats. That's and cool. uh, and yeah, so that was dope. Mayor, yeah, <sighs> Feral Mind. Oh yeah, that that was the first time I heard somebody sample that that record too. Yeah, so and it's amazing. So the funny thing is, is that um, that mm. beat. I know it most prominently from Ghostface Killer, yeah, Saturday Night. Tell. Yes, yep. that is where I know that beat from. Yeah, and. The funny thing is, is that I went back to listen to this now, and Mayor uh, is probably one of the tracks that I skipped over uh, back then. So I didn't really know the song uh, that well, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Like it's this came out before Supreme Clientele." Mm. I was like, "Oh shit! Like how cool is that?" The whole story is crazy yeah. too. Yeah. So it was that I had. Do you shot want a him. donut? <laughs> <laughs> nah, no <Nah>. thanks. <laughs> With the silencer sound, yes. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine, of course, has yeah. to be has to be said. And then I every rhyme I write was a highlight for me. So, okay, yeah. What you got? Uh, so the only one the the only ones that I, I think that you would uh, well you skipped two for me. So mm-hmm. I like Crosstown Beef. Yeah, um, I, I actually like it a lot more now than yeah. I did back then. But yeah. Crosstown Beef was one of the ones I used to yeah, like back tight. then, just because uh, you know Medina Green. I think that's is that Most Def's brother or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's Most Def's brother's uh, group. Yeah, and you know. I think Most Def is featured on it as like in like the hook, but he doesn't actually get a verse on this though, yeah. right? But his brother sounds like eerily similar, similar to him. To, it, it's yeah. not weird. Apparently, they were in a group together before Most Def, you know, went solo and kind of okay. got famous. So. So yeah, so I always like uh, Crosstown Beef. It's like Crosstown Traffic. <laughs> Brothers be on some real shit. I don't know. I just, I like that. The and story just wasn't impressive enough to me. Yeah, that's like, no, that's yo, true. It's like, that's happened to every single one of us. That's true. Like, that's even true. If, you, if you went to Lake Braddock, you probably got into a fight with some kids from Robinson that the song is like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the next one, 
the next one for me, I want to say it's a highlight, but we haven't talked about it enough. Uh, is the Diamond D when it when it rains it pours? Yes. Oh no, when it pours it rains. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I just like the that beat. beat. It's amazing. And you know, it's interesting. Um, I think at some point we should actually do an episode on who really is the best the producer, best on, producer the on the mic because I've yeah. never really been impressed with Diamond D as as a lyricist. Yeah. But yet I feel like. Whenever I think of the best producer on the mic, I always think of Diamond D. Is similar? Is it because of like the same way that like Ali used to say he's the greatest? Yeah. I feel like Diamond D always used to say he was the best producer he on the did. mic. I would say he's the most consistent producer on the mic. Okay. Because he he's consistently reminds you that he raps. Yes. <laughs> and, and he raps like a lot, like yeah. a, like a lot more than other cats. Like I like I've heard high tech rap, and high tech can actually rap. Like yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think that at some point, though, we should actually have a, a definitive discussion on this. And maybe we can yeah. uh, either pull Carlos or, or Panama back into the mic. And we can have an actual criteria and go yeah. through like March Madness style. Best who's the best producer on the mic? mic. But anyway, yeah. uh, I think if his his flow is very monotonous. Yeah. And that would be my only criticism of it. Yeah. But um, I think he's got bars and I think yeah. he, he raps pretty well on here. Um, but the the thing for me is there's always been like other producers who've rapped who I thought were better rappers. Mm. So and we don't have to get into that too yeah, much. Like yeah. I said, we could do a whole episode on that. But the other, the big one for me mm-hmm. is uh, Most Deaf Next Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my attention always kind of like nodded off after this song because mm. this was one that I used to have on repeat. But like even the way it starts, the A B is from my ability. C D E F F E C T in the G H is how it should be. Represent with J Rock and Babu. Sound bombing sequel, meaning in part one or two, making it funky for you, Boulevard Avenue. Yo. Uh, and then it just goes right into it. And this was kind of like a sequel to another universe, which is either on Lyricist Lounge or was that on the first sound bombing? It was Lyricist Lounge, was I think. Lounge. And he did kind of the same thing with the whole yeah, like, freestyle yes, thing. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, this is at the time where like Most Def is solidly becoming like one of my favorite MCs. Mm. Um, and and wow. it's perfect because this track is, you know, building up to mm-hmm. Black on Both Sides, which is yeah. going to come out in either September or October of 1999. That's interesting because for me, you know, for both, believe mm-hmm. it or not, for both Most Def and Talib Kweli, yeah, I was not necessarily convinced okay. by either as like as like a forefront artist for me okay. until Black on Both Sides came out. Yeah, and then it was just like yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. okay, hands up, like yeah. you got me, bro. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so yeah, that's Black fair. on Both Sides blew me away. I think the one that really got me was Respiration, and we didn't get to talk about it as much because that was one of the ones that we wanted to do a tribute for the album. We could only talk about it a little bit on one of the on one of the I think it's a fall recap or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but that was the one that really pulled me in and say like, all right, most definitely cool then he's on this album with you know a b-boy document kind of featured on the crosstown beef with uh with uh, the green and then he gets this next universe track and i'm just like yo it's something about his voice his energy his charisma like there's just something about him that's just like captivating yeah i feel like he really captured b-boy energy but yes. on the mic yeah. in a way that hadn't really been done before and you know the the beauty of most death as an MC is that you know in a lot of ways I think that he is probably the most pivotal or the most important 
underground dish in quotes whatever that means mm. MC of the 90s mm. right in, in the sense that like alright you have Common now mm-hmm. and Common's a very big name and yep. you have you have Black Thought you got M still, too well, I, he came but, from the underground. But M to me didn't necessarily ride the underground wave. I think he hopped in and out in order to maintain his career. Oh, you mean just throughout? Yeah. Like and so I'm talking about like so you know you, the three main ones. I you know I already listed Common would be one, but I think that Most Def is better than Common. You know Common is dope, but I think Most Def is better than Common. Um, just in terms of like if they're both at their peak. I would take most depth. And then Black Thought, would, I'd probably say Black Thought is better when he's at his peak. But he kind of rode that wave too. But the thing about most depth was that he was clearly, clearly an underground cat that everybody knew. Everybody knew most depth. Yeah. Um, and some of that has to do with the fact that, like, <laughs> his most. Acting. Well, yeah, you, got, you, you definitely got the acting. And I know a lot of women who had crushes on most depth. Um, some which we've even name dropped on this, on this podcast, <laughs> who we, you know, we don't want to get sued. And we don't want to get stung, <laughs> so we won't we won't say that name. But um, but but most stuff was 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 really big, and I, I think that you know part of that was even like the fact that his most famous lyric, probably uh, his most fa- famous line, is on the most the, the one he's just uh, his date song, if you will, or his woman song, his, his love song. Uh, 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 yeah, the ass yeah, so fat that you can see it from the front. Like everybody quotes that line, and yeah, um, I think that some people friend. quote that line without even knowing it's most deaf. Yeah, but yeah. Um, anyway, so either way, you know that that track to me is obviously a big highlight, and I love that it comes you know near the the, the end of the album. Of course, mm-hmm. after that, uh, you mentioned that every rhyme I write, which is not a song that I appreciated as much back then mm-hmm. as I do now. I don't know yeah. why, because that beat is slamming. Yeah, I think I think honestly, and and this is kind of the sadness of of you know branding and things like that that I think a lot of people in in this underground hip hop world did not understand, but. Smith and Wesson changes their name to Coco Brothers. Some people knew that. Some people did not. I did some not people learn that until didn't later. like that. Like yeah. I remember, there were some people that were like, "Yeah, they they were dope when they were Smith and Wesson, but they're not dope now," which is just odd because it's yeah. like, but they just stopped being able to rap because <laughs> their name isn't, you know. But uh, but I liked a lot of the stuff that they had around now, and that record is right up that alley. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure what else there is to say about this album other than like it's just a really dope listen. From the producers to the, you know, the DJs that mixed it up to, you know, just the the cultural significance of having this scene. I mean, I can't really say enough about this record. It's, it was amazing. Pasta News uh, mm-hmm. produced Crosstown Beef. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. I didn't even. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. That's cool. So. Like he didn't. He didn't. I, how come you can you can produce a, a beat on here, but you can't contribute a verse? I mean, what's good? Pasta News. Honestly, I don't even know that it would make the project better. I'm, I'm just saying, this, you know, you got you got Common on here, you got Sadat X, yeah. Pooba on here, you know, Pasta yeah. News would be nice on here. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but but it's funny that you you know you kind of talked about those those three specific people and their their kind of path to to who they are, but when you really think about people who kind of came up out of the underground and like graduated from that class, yeah, like this is like that class, that freshman class picture that, you know, you go on to see like, you know, where Eminem ends up, yeah. where, you know, Talib where Talib Kweli and Most and Def, Most Def end up, yeah. where like all these folks end up. And this is just kind of a Company who's flow, who. even. Yeah, LP you know? with, uh, with Run The Jewels. Yeah, that's know? the uh, project with Killer Mike, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Q-Tip's on here. He is on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Q-Tip is on so, here. Uh, pretty dope man um yeah not a lot of other things to say other than the fact that i think this 
particular podcast episode will kind of be the the door opening for a lot of the other projects that kind of came out after mm-hmm. this that were a result of this crew and this movement. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, what else are we going to try to get into after this, man? What should we give uh, what should our, our listeners uh, look forward to? We definitely have to do a black on both sides. We'll definitely do a black on both sides. Uh, obviously, that I think that album either comes out the end of September, or early October. October. Yeah, All right, so we'll have that. Um, you know, Illmatic is uh, 1994. Ready to Die is 1994. Facts. Uh, we just missed Illmatic, um, and, and there was a lot about it. I don't know if there's really anything we can say about Illmatic that hasn't already been said, and that's the reason why I never, I never pushed for us to try to do something. That's a fair point. I think we could do, we could point. do, um, Ready to Die. We had no choice. Even yeah, if you don't want to do that, I'll just record an episode <laughs> without you. Just report me to spam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, try, I, I just for for the listeners, like, and I think Outlaw does the same. Like, we try not to broach something that like it's just been done to death to the yeah. point where we can't even really add any anything to it and speaking of which i i you know would be derelict in my duties to not say rest in peace uh nipsey hustle yes um we didn't we we considered and i, and doing, I asked you you did ask did. me we considered doing like an episode that was like a tribute um i have a lot of mixed feelings about it i think a lot was said and that's part of why i i, I didn't want to do a whole episode on it um additionally you know, I didn't know Nipsey Hussle personally, but, you know, kind of being in those same circles and things like that, like, there's just been a lot said by a lot of people that I don't really think should have had anything to say. And um, I just have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Uh, but I will say, you know, for somebody who really meant so much to the community, um, to the hip hop community in Los Angeles, to Los Angeles just in general, um, you know, as a father, as a philanthropist, as a businessman, as a, you know, every everything that Nipsey Hussle was to the community, man, just such a, a huge loss. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even, I can't even, you know, um, put, put it in words. I'd say one of the cool things that maybe we can do is like an episode just kind of celebrating Nipsey Hussle's life and career. Okay. Um, because... I feel like as just an overall put you up, like there's a lot of music that you probably haven't heard from Nipsey that I think would make you a fan. Like he, That's cool. he has a, had a lot of really dope music that I don't think really, um, you know, got that got the the kind of attention and push that you would you would expect. Um, but I will say that you know, in his passing, you know, whether it's by reason of it being trendy or it being you know kind of the a trending topic. Um, I've heard a lot of people, you know, really connecting with his music and, yeah. you know, his legacy. And I really appreciate that. He's gotten that look. The, the one thing I will say is that, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned people who had things to say about him when it probably wasn't their place to say. And, you know, I, I can't comment that. On, I can't comment on that. I'm not necessarily sure who you're referring to or what they had to say. And I'm not even I wasn't even a huge Nip- Nipsey Hussle fan. Right. Um, but the one thing I can say is that I do appreciate the reaction that this has had mm. in the sense that, I mean, look, when, you know, when Biggie died, when Tupac died, I mean, that was those were those were huge things, right. especially because they came basically back to back and they were the two biggest right. names in hip hop gone. Yep. Right. Like. You could say that it was almost on the weight of, and this is going to sound crazy, but in the sense that, look, it's not on the weight of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. It's it's not like the loss of Biggie and Tupac wasn't on that level. But in terms of like 
when I was at that age when they when they died, like it was a big thing mm-hmm. when Biggie and Tupac died, mm-hmm. and I think it's a big thing, obviously now when Tupac, when 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 Nipsey Hussle died. You know, right. they had the they had the funeral for him. Mm-hmm. Part of that I think was televised somewhere. Yeah. Um. And and so it was obviously it was a big deal. But what I will say is that you know when, when Tupac died, there were. You know, he was kind of a mixed bag, mm-hmm. and even the thing with like uh, Extentacion or whatever, uh-huh. right? There were some people who were trying to celebrate him, and then other people were quick to jump up and say, "No, right. you know, he was a domestic abuser. Cancel he was this, this, right, and this." Right. And like all these people have are going to have like clouded legacies, right? And that mm-hmm. obviously that includes Big and that includes Tupac. Mm-hmm. But I have not heard one negative word about Nipsey Hussle, that's a good thing. and I think that that's cool that whatever for whatever steps that he decided to take. And ultimately, they didn't necessarily end up where any of us would have wanted them to end up. Mm. But none of them led to a place where anyone is saying anything negative about him. And in fact, Mm. all the things that you told me about his music Mm. uh, and all the things that you told me he represented, I'm seeing all of that in the social media. And so, like, I can only hope that maybe someone who was my age when Biggie and Tupac died, mm. someone that age now is going to be feel the Nipsey Hustle loss the same mm. way that even though I wasn't a big fan of Biggie and Tupac at the time, I yeah. still felt that loss. Yeah. Maybe someone who was who, you know, was my age at the time now can feel that loss, listen to the music, listen to the messages, yeah. see all the sound clips and be inspired to do something great. Yeah. Let's only hope that that's where his legacy, you know, that's the actual true, you know, uh, mark of his legacy. Right. And, and you, know, see, you know, in my opinion, I think that's the best way to celebrate his life is to try to continue to do the things that he was trying to do. So facts, you know, I, I, one thing I will say is, you know, you mentioned it pretty well, but like age wise, you know, I don't think we really comprehended and understood when when Biggie and Pac died. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we we were impacted by it and it was a huge loss and we saw how others were impacted by it. Yeah. I think Nipsey is my first the first time I saw somebody's legacy cut short that I feel like I grew with in yeah. some way, you know. Yeah. And I, I like I remember, you know, the early days of Nipsey and them going to, you know, hearing about them going to homegrown radio, hearing about them bringing hustle in the house and like this is somebody I've been listening to since 2008, yeah. 2009. No, you know? I remember you, you so, big fan, you've been a fan yeah, for a minute. So it's like to see that person grow and change and really become something. I saw an interview where they were talking about how, you know, some of the early records that Nipsey was trying to service to, to radio, they, they liked him. He's a very charismatic guy, very intelligent yeah. guy. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's like legitimately like calling out sets and hoods and talking yeah. about specific things that happen in the neighborhood. Like they're like, fam, we we tried to edit this as best as we can, but we're not <laughs> going to be able to play this during, you know. And so, you know, just really watching him grow from that to, you know, if you listen to Victory Lap in, in mm-hmm. you know, in entirety, the messages and things like that that are there and, you know, how inspirational they are and stuff like that. Um, really being able to see somebody grow like that over the course of 10, 11 years and then seeing their life cut short like that yeah. i think i think hit me differently than i've ever experienced a loss in, in hip-hop personally yeah you know even me i wasn't like i said i wasn't a huge nipsey hustle fan but even like because i heard he got shot and i was like oh okay and then someone's like yo he got shot and kills like wait he got killed yeah. and i was like damn like nipsey uh i was like shit you know but um you know uh, rest in peace to, to Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. Also, you know, big up to him for actually being someone who 
was down for all the black people, regardless of what region they were from. And I'm, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of that. But, you know, I will say that folks where he's from may not necessarily care about all black people, but he certainly did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, shout out to Pan-Africanism and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, big up to Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny that you say that. I remember seeing in an interview where they asked him about um, Black Panther when Black Panther came out. Mm -hmm. And they asked him about um, the uh, Killmonger, Eric Killmonger's character. And yeah. if that character resonated with him. And he was just like, he felt like that was him, like on screen, really? you know, and just in many ways, you know, interesting. you kind of talk about that. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, he talked about how, and you know, I don't want to go all the way down, yeah. down the path. No, we don't have chance. to. You we can, don't have to. Can, I, 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 I get it. But, but yeah, he talked about how specifically Killmonger's character, right? Like, so his father's from Africa. Yes. Um, you know, but he grew up in LA mm -hmm. and, you know, as a result of his father, you know, being away from him, yeah. he, his identity and his understanding was LA. Yeah. And so, you know, he talked about finally as a, as a young adult getting to go to Africa and see what Africa is and how in some ways he kind of felt like that was taken away from him. But he also talked about how being hardened in LA made him look at made him basically turn his his anger and aggression against his own people Ooh, and he talked I about how that. yeah okay. and he talked about how like also you know so he, he definitely said, resonates. he said there was a uh, specific yeah. you know he's like there's a specific quote and i can't quote the quote so i won't try but he's a, there's a specific quote in the black panther movie where where killmonger when he goes back to africa he you know he starts wilding and one of the ladies tells him you know you're taking your aggression out on your own people. Like you're uh -huh. hurting people that are just like you because you're hurt. Yeah. And he was like, that's essentially what gangbanging is. Like yeah. he was like, he was like essentially like, I realized that I was turning my own anger and aggression on my own people in, yeah. in my community. And I was just like, wow, like, like, you know, just, just a cat that really, really understood, you know, where he was, you know, what was going on around him and really tried to change things around him with that that additional understanding that he gleaned. And I just, I think it was a big loss and I just, you know, much respect for, for his path and his journey. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, I, I think that should cap it off rather well. So you got anything else? Nah, man, that's it for me. All right, peace. Stay tuned, peace.